the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Check ASO is an analytical ASO platform that provides you with up-to-date data on keywords, competitors, ratings, and reviews. It also grades your ASO level and gives you custom tips on how to improve it. This way, you can increase your app page visibility, organic traffic, and installs with every update. Try it now for free for seven days at checkaso.io. That once again is checkaso.io. We all have developer horror stories from language barriers to bad code to developing on time. That's why I recommend using B7Dev com. They're affordable, fast, and more importantly, trustworthy. Go to b7dev.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow your app downloads and, more importantly, your revenue. And a big part of that revenue is going to come from Retention, and that's what we're here to talk about, mobile game retention. How do you really get nerdy about it? And Hugo, my guest, is going to talk all about progression, core loops, all this stuff that I know nothing about. So it's going to be a masterclass for me as well. But without further ado, his name, the guest, is Hugo Obi. He is the founder of Malio Games, a design studio known for developing African-inspired games for mobile devices. He's a pioneer in his field, recently featured on Forbes as well. So I'll link that to the to this podcast episode and check out his latest title, What King. It's the, spelled W-H-O-T, What King in your app stores. But without further ado, Hugo, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. Hey, Hugo, let's start with your journey. Like what made you get into mobile games and really specifically focus more on African-inspired games too? So Steve, um, back in the early um, 2010s, um, we started seeing a significant transformation in um, growth in mobile adoption, internet penetration within the continent. Mm -hmm. um, back then, I actually lived in London. I'm really keen on you know, opportunities for development within the continent. Yeah. Um, the entertainment space was booming at the time um, with sort of like the with the Nollywood industry, which is kind of like the Nigerian equivalent of Hollywood, mm -hmm. um, and the Afrobeat space um, really taking off. Um, and, you know, we, we looked at the gaming space and realized that there were no takers for gaming, right? So you have all of these people, hundreds of millions of people on smartphones, you know, trying to discover new ways to entertain themselves, and there was nobody in the continent who was doing games at the time. So that was what inspired us to actually look at the space. You know, the gaming industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm -hmm. um, the mobile space is predominantly the largest um, of that um, category. And we, you know, started to do our research to understand how we could play within that space and decided to come up with content that was different uh, by creating African-inspired games for mobile. Now, did you ever look at what type of gameplays had the highest retention, had the highest like gross earnings? Like, and how do we put our own spin on this and make more like content that is for your target market? Is that how you approach it? How did you approach it, Hugo? Well, at the time, we weren't that scientific. 
um, at the time, you know, like because, you know, I'll be honest, back in 2012, the skill sets required to build really competitive games wasn't that readily available. Yeah. Um, so it was really hard to compete at the time. So we weren't necessarily looking at like the top grossing or the most downloaded um, games to decide on what to build. We were really building based on often what we could um, design and develop ourselves. Most of these games were like really casual style games, um, you know, easy, fun loops, um, you know, short, um, short gameplay loops, um, you know, like pick up, drop off, very, very quick uh, play, gameplay sessions. Um, so that was what motivated us at the time. Or that, at least that was driving the, 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 the game design at the time. Is that the Mosquito Smasher? That yeah, so that's where you had games like the Mosquito Smasher, you had the Danfo Racer, uh, sorry, the Okada Rider um, at the time. Um, and really, we were really, really focused on the narrative. You know, like it was very important to sort of mm. like build these games that people can, can associate with. Um, and and that, that, that's what inspired those titles at the time. I know narrative is a big component of how, what you guys do and what you really focus on. Can you speak a little bit more? Like, how do you start? Do you start with the gameplay and then what's that narrative going to be? What comes first? So I think that, you know, culturally, we, we love to tell stories, right? Culturally, we are very dramatic people. Um, so if you look at our movies, our movies are very, uh, you know, very rich in, 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 in dialogue. Um, very rich in drama. Um, if you look at our, our music, our music is very expressive. You look at our dance, right? Our dance is really, really expressive, right? So we, we don't just necessarily focus highly on the lyrics. We, we have a lot of emphasis on the beats and the rhythm, right? And I think that this is what we are trying to transport into our games, right? That, that's part of the challenge. So we've, we realized that one of the core competencies that we have is this alternative viewpoint on storytelling. And that is pretty much, I think, one of our core, um, core competencies that we want to bring into our games, or at least we bring into our games. I heard you talk about Mosquito Smasher as a way you're like, hey, we wanted to bring in mosquitoes because everybody knows mosquitoes, right? Like it's, and I did rather than doing like, I don't know, ladybugs or ants or anything else, you specifically chose mosquitoes. Was that part of the narrative too that you wanted to really have in there? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so we, we live with mosquitoes um, in, 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 in West Africa. Um, anybody who's been to the region is very aware of the, 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 the severe menace that mosquitoes cause um, within society. Um, so we were looking for a twist, you know, a way for people to, again, you know, after having a difficult night with mosquitoes back at home, on your way to work, to really have your go at them, but this time using your mobile device. Um, and that's, you know, that was part of the idea is that this is something that people recognize and we can put a positive twist to something that obviously is an epidemic um, within our society. Um, and, and, you know, we all always look at this sort of like positive spins to challenging situations that we find ourselves within. That's one of our key motivations. Got it. And how do you, I guess, do you think about that narrative in terms of, okay, story, this is going to be great for retention. If we leave them off at this certain, like, you know, part one, they'll come back for part two. Do you guys think about it like that? That detail? Absolutely. So, okay. so this is something that we are engineering into our new games, right? You know, and what came is a very good example of that. 
So what is a classic card game very popular in West Africa? I mean, like for Nigeria, for instance, you could argue that what is the national card game of the country? So most people growing up would have played what in one form or the other. Um, so we decided to design a version of what, right? You know, like really trying to build, um, build it with like, you know, very beautiful graphs, uh, very immersive graphics, um, great sound effects, beautiful visual effects, um, and, you know, like provide users with a range of features that they typically would not find because, you know, because what is pretty much geographically popular, most of the big international studios would never approach it, right? They wouldn't mm. think about it. So this was our opportunity to create something that you know people within the locality can play as well as become potentially an international export because a lot of people haven't played or heard about what before. So it's a way for them to also discover the African culture. Um, so one of the things that we designed into the game as a means to drive retention is to introduce a storyline into the what game where you actually play through an adventure mode, mm. right? And we've built it around multiple kingdoms. Um, and we have this great backstory where, you know, the, the different kingdoms are at war. And for um, at war to select who would be king. And then they introduce this card game as a way to settle um, who is king, right? And you have to play all these different, you have to play every single different kingdom and win the badge of the kingdom. And once you collect the badges of all five kingdoms, you become the what king. Oh, I like that. That's right? awesome, man. Really, and that involves a lot of like um, world development. So each of the worlds are different. Um, character development, you know, there's, 20, there's 125 levels within the, the gameplay um, with 125 different characters. We've built in dialogue within the game. So, I, I, you know, like this, this is an extension of the base game. We didn't have this feature when we launched it. We only just released this feature um, earlier this month, right? Uh, so, you know, we, we sometimes think about uh, narrative as a way to drive user retention and also to drive user engagement. What came first, Hugo? Like, I want to make a, a what game or I want to make a game where there's kings, there's battles. Like, what came first? So, so I'll tell you what, right? So in the past, when we thought about making games, uh, we tried to accomplish everything in one go, right? Uh, we tried to bring everything in and you know, deliver it as one finished product. But we are taking a different approach now um, where we see game development as an evolving process, right? So first, we focus on the core gameplay loop. Right? That's typically what we focus on first. You know, get the core gameplay loop right. And once you've perfected that, then start to add on the, the storylines on top of that, right? Because the storylines is essentially an extension of the core gameplay loop. So when you play What King Adventure Mode, essentially you are playing what multiple times, but you're playing what in a story setting, right? Mm -hmm. And that in itself creates a different kind of enjoyment and engagement with the game. You know, one example I have too, and I know the creator of Phase 10, it's a card game in the US too. And the mobile version, they put a narrative, there's a map in there and then the gameplay switched up and it wasn't always like, you know, Phase 10, they always have these 10 different phases that you get through and you first want to get through all 10 wins. 
and it was different. And I was like, wow, okay, this is like really twisting and putting a narrative and putting some type of fun element after into a, you know, a classic game that people have played. So I like that approach. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, like, this is, this is, this is, it's, it's a real challenge yeah. to get the balance right. But one thing we certainly know is that if you want to extend the range of the content within the game, yeah. going with storytelling is one of the sure ways to do that. Because if you imagine like your classic, we were actually having this conversation within the team earlier today. If you think about the classic racing games, right? Uh, you look at a game like say Gran Turismo, or you look at a game like Need for Speed, right? Mm -hmm. At the core, it's a racing game. You know, you're trying to maneuver or navigate a car if you look at like, you know, uh, Forza Horizon. You're trying to navigate a car, you know, on a track, right? But then you have, you know, games like Need for Speed or Grand Theft Auto that has, that is built around a storyline and then you have games like Gran Turismo, which is just core racing, right? Mm -hmm. And what you would find is that from a user engagement standpoint and from a retention standpoint, the game that has a storyline, you know, just, you know, is more engulfing than the one that just focuses on the base narrative of, you know, just driving the car, right? Yeah. So maybe there is an opportunity for somebody to do the same thing with like, I don't know, like, you know, FIFA or something, like one of the football games, you know, right. narrative around, around, I don't know how you do that, but you know, so like, this idea of like building a narrative around the core gameplay. Um, I think it's, it's a real opportunity. Yeah, and I could, I agree with that. And I think the mistake that, cause I see a lot of developers and we do these app audits on Friday during our YouTube live streams. And I see I'm like, well, this is just like X, Y, and Z, or this is just like Flappy Bird. Like you didn't add anything onto this. You just mimic completely copied the game, right? And I think that's the biggest pit, pitfall that I see because they, they see a really, like, especially in the casual games, right? Like when Build Box was super popular, it's just like, oh, I see what Voodoo's doing. Let me do something similar. And I think it's in the really, if you look at the Voodoo games, the real casual games, you look at the nitty gritty details. I'm like, oh, here's the element that they spun. Here's why this game is way better than what you might have seen before. And I don't think people are looking into the details. Yeah, I mean, like it takes, it takes a lot of like, so I think that sometimes the challenge is like when you have like industry, industry just can be quite small, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you have like a, a one-man development team. If you're lucky, you have two people, you know, working on it. Um, and then you're also looking at core competence, right? You know, you have developers, you have designers, you know, you have storytellers or, or copywriters, right? You know, and, and these skills are not always easily transferable. Right. Um, so we were, we were obviously, you know, we are fortunate that we have an abundance of creative talent within our locality. Mm -hmm. Actually, where we've always been, uh, where we've always faced challenges in the past has always been on the technical side, never on the creative side, because mm -hmm. we, we have like, you know, a huge flow of creative talent, right? And it's the application of that. Um, and a lot of these is also trial and error. You know, like you try something and then you tweak it and you tweak it and you tweak it yeah. up until you're able to perfect it. Um, and then also like, you know, having a lot of like user engagement, you know, where your users are, you know, being part of the story development. Um, so it, it's really a mixed bag, I think. Well, on that note, you go, was there a tweak that you did in what King that you're like, hey, you know, we had this sort of, narrative already we saw that we had the core game loop 
But then as we're testing, we did this one tweak and that seemed to take off and really help the engagement. Well, so so it's, I wouldn't say it's like one particular tweak. I think we've had quite a series of tweaks. And, yeah. you know, like we sometimes, you know, sometimes the, the you know, like the two stats that I, I focus on every single day is my user acquisition stats and my retention stats. Like, you know, I wake up in the morning and the first notification I get is those two stats, right? Mm. And, you know, it's every single thing we do is just really designed around improving those. Um, so I remember we, we recently, um, so with, with what came, um, you play within like a, a, a static background. Um, so what game is a 2D what game? It, it's not 3D. So it's just basic 2D what game and you play within a, a, a static background. Um, and we recently introduced a dynamic background. Um, just to see if, we could, if that could help us improve our user engagement numbers. Um, and, and all that was, was just to have um, floating items in the background of the, mm. of the game, right? Mm -hmm. And that actually saw like a 40% jump in our engagement numbers. Wow. Um, very impressive, um, actually really, really impressive. Um, the other thing that we also did uh, around user retention, as I mentioned earlier, was to introduce the adventure mode. So that's kind of like the big thing that we've done um, to improve our user retention. And we've seen a 29% increase or improvement in our user, uh, in our retention, our day one retention uh, since we rolled that out. Um, but, you know, we're always on the lookout for like new, like, you know, different sort of like models and approaches that people are taking um, to improve these, these, um, these, these retention stats. That's awesome. Hey, talk to me about the market in, I mean, you guys focus on all of Africa, right? Not just Nigeria. So Nigeria predominantly, but yes, for most, most of Africa, yes. Most of sub-Saharan Africa. So I know nothing about this, but like, is it primarily iOS, Android? And what are the, some of the ways from a monetization perspective that developers should be thinking about this? So it's predominantly, it's predominantly Android. Android is kind of like the dominant platform within the continent. I mean, we see, we do gain some traction on iOS, but you know, the numbers just don't compete with Android just because of the number of devices, Android devices yeah. that are in the market. Um, and, and when it comes to monetization, what we have been doing more recently is to focus on premium ad placement. So we, we are kind of like shifting our business model from doing like, you know, like standard interstitial ads and banner ads to actually just selling ad inventories directly to advertisers. Um, oh, wow. So this is like building brand relationships and doing in quotes product placements within mm -hmm. our games. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, I guess there are a lot of like local brands that are looking for obviously new channels for, for customer engagement. Um, and we provide them with an option um, to like reach eyeballs, just again, based on our retention numbers, our engagement numbers, you know, our, our, our daily active, active user numbers. Um, you know, we're able to have those sort of like positive conversations. I don't think that is any different from the same way you have like sponsored YouTube, YouTube videos, um, yeah. where big brands go and, you know, like do sponsorship um, with like um, um, with YouTube uh, influencers. Um, so that's pretty much the same kind of like approach that we're taking um, where we're having direct conversations with brands and having them do product placements 
within our games. And we're giving them like obviously very, very um, premium slots within the game. And you know, it, it's a much better experience for the game user um, than you would get with like standard um, ads that you would get from like Unity or AdMob. Talk to me about that. Like, I, I love that model. Are you going out personally, like reaching out to these brands being like, hey, look, we have this huge user base. We'd love to promote your brand. Let's work out a relationship here. And it's, it's going to help you versus, you know, running a commercial ad or a YouTube ad or anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that is pretty much the approach. So what we're saying is that, you know, obviously we're a local company. Um, we don't our target market is predominantly local. They're around the end users. Um, you have, you know, like the, the touch point for your user engagement is really like Mac optimized um, because the users, you know, unlike what you get when you go on YouTube or you go on Facebook or you go on all of these, you know, third party websites, um, the users are used to be bombarded with loads of ads and those ads just fly in their faces. Yeah. You know, but here you have users immersed in a gameplay session and, you know, we can connect your ads with like, you know, reward items with like, you know, unlockable items, um, you know, with, um, you know, session progression. Um, so, you know, your, your, the users are experiencing your ad at the highest point of euphoria within the game. Um, so certainly they have a more positive association between your brand and their enjoyment of the game in comparison to, you know, you reading a, a news or going to a website and just being bombarded with, with ads and you see them more as, you know, like an intrusion to your, um, you know, web access. So it's, it's an interesting conversation to be had. You know, we're not arguing for 100% of the, you know, online advertising spend. We're just arguing for like a 5% allocation. Um, so our, our job is obviously to create sufficient content to provide a large enough inventory to be able to support these, these ads. Hugo, you sound like a man who sold this multiple times. Like you got your brand placement in the, at the peak of euphoria, of a user euphoria. <laughs> I like it. I like that line a lot, man. <laughs> hey, is it as easy? Like, how are you sourcing these brands? Is it like, yeah, tell me, tell you about how you like, oh, this would be a great brand for me to reach out to. Um, so obviously you have the traditional, you have the traditional brands um, who um, have like, you know, they, 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 they still stick to the analog way of advertising. So, you know, newspaper advertising, billboard mm. advertising, television advertising. And then you have a lot of like, you know, new tech brands, right? Who are more digital, you know, they are more data centric, right? So if you can provide them with good data transparency around, you know, number of users, number of views, click-throughs, you know, user demographic, you know, locations and stuff like that, um, they are a lot more um, open to working with, because everything is experimental, right? right. And, you know, they compare the, the metrics that we provide them with against the metrics that they get from the other big advertising platforms, right? And they see that, well, we're not as bad or we're not bad at all. And our data is quite comparative. Um, so this is, you know, this is a combination of obviously business networking and some, you know, like, I, I don't want to call it a personal relationship, but you know, like the, the tech ecosystem in Africa is still very small and still very young. Yeah. So I guess this is like San Francisco or the Bay Area back in the early 2000s, right? So mm -hmm. everyone sort of like knows everyone, right? Everyone is out there in the circle. 
Um, so it's, it's a lot easier to have these conversations, um, you know, but this is something that we think is going to be the focus for the next sort of like two to five years mm. as brands start to look at alternative channels to utilize their ad spend, right? You know, we start to around providing that inventory for them. So part of the challenge now, I mean, we're working on a game, we're working on a new game called Down for Racer, which is a racing game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that we have around that is to offer brands the option to have liveries of the cars in the game. Mm. Right? So sponsored liveries. So essentially, they're, they're paying for that, but this is like embedded within the core gameplay loop. So as the user is upgrading their cars, they are accessing the customized liveries of the brands, right? Oh, wow. So from a visibility standpoint, you know, this is premium stuff, right? Because, you know, if you've got a beautiful livery, you know, people want to drive a car that is fully kitted, right? So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's really good brand, brand, um, brand promotion. Now, are, you, are brands most concerned about like CPM costs or cost per acquisition costs? What is the main metric that they're trying to, compare you guys to just some of their other advertising they're doing? So I think, I think the CPC um, is, is what they care about, care about the most. Okay. Um, and, you know, like in my experience, yeah, in my experience is because like most of the campaigns that they're driving are awareness-based campaigns. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's mainly awareness-based campaigns. Um, so they really do want to, as much as possible, drive as much traffic to their platform as possible um, and again like you know the way that we are designing these brand engagements within the game is so that we can maximize that you know sort of like conversion for them right we're not too worried about um, you know pushing traffic away from the game because we're quite confident about you know the, the reason why people come to play the game is very different from the reason why they go to a website so it's not a direct competition at right. all yeah I like it Hugo, anything I missed that you want to make sure we cover? Um, no, I think I think this has been <laughs> this, is, this is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know how long how long are your sessions how long are your sessions typically? I usually try to keep it around thirty minutes or so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I think um, no, I think that's that's about it. I mean, like, unless of course you have any other questions. No, I mean, I think I guess what one question that I would have is what's been the hardest part of like building a company, a mobile games company. So I think, I think that the, the biggest challenge building a mobile games company in Africa initially was the talent. Mm-hmm. Finding the right people was very tough. And the development um, talent, is that what you were saying, right? Thank you. Specifically the development talent. Yeah. Um, but that has changed. Um, and a lot of things have, have driven that change. So one is there's been a lot of investment in, in developing um, software engineers locally. Um, through collaborative joint ventures, uh, multiple multiple stakeholders involved. So what that means is that it's there, there are a lot more competent early stage developers that you can then train specifically for for game development, right? Uh, so you know we're seeing huge pool of talent come through, and we're quite excited about what we can then accomplish working creatively together. Mm. Um, the other challenge, which I don't think is unique to Africa, is the funding, funding side. I mean, let's actually talk about monetization first. So monetization is actually a very big challenge, right? Um, for two reasons. So one is that data is still very expensive. 
Um, so, you know, people's ability to access content online is quite limited um, by the data cost. Um, but I guess that if the pandemic has taught anyone anything is that data is way more valuable than anything else they can imagine. Um, so people are having to realize that, you know, data is central to living and making that accommodation. So in the past where there would have been trade-offs, right? Um, now people are prioritizing data more than they would have in the past. Um, and I think that, you know, from a monetization standpoint, you know, we are, you know, as we just discussed, looking at alternative revenue streams, right? We can't be dependent on the traditional means of revenue. And what that means is that we need to get out a little bit more. We need to pitch a little bit more um, mm -hmm. to like, you know, get people to consider us for the ad inventory. We have to tell a better story. Um, and I think that we can do that. You know, I think that we can do that. We, we, we can offer compelling propositions and get the advertisers to see the potential, right? And to understand that, 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 that their investment is not just in like just, you know, eyeballs. It's also in enabling us to build an industry for gaming, right? So, you know, we are building the future essentially. So um, we, we need that to be collaborative. And the last bit is the investment component, right? But I think the investment component goes side by side on the revenue side, because investors wouldn't invest if they're not clear about, you know, if they don't have a clear exit strategy and they wouldn't invest if they don't think the companies can generate revenue. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we start to demonstrate that these alternative revenue streams actually have long-term potential, then you probably see more, more investment coming into the space. So I am quite confident that on all three fronts, we are seeing significant, you know, we're making significant strides on all three at the same time. And a lot of this has been thanks to the pandemic because it has really allowed us to kind of like prioritize what's important, have a clear roadmap in terms of things that we ought to do and then go out and execute without the distractions of, you know, everything else that happens in life. Kudos to you, my friend, for being at the heart of it all. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hugo, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. So besides all the great apps that you have, is there one app that you think we should check out? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Yes, I, I think you guys should check out Get Better. So Get Better is a, I don't even know how to describe it. So this is another African game um, built by a friend of mine um, who runs Kenneth Games in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. um, game is on the App Store. So Get Better is spelled G-E-V-E-T-A. Um, I'll send you a link so you can add that to the description as well. Okay. Cool. Uh, it's a fun game. It's a fun African-inspired game, you know, and I think you guys should check it out. All right. Well, I'll be asking for an intro as well. Here you go. What's a lesson? It could be business or personal that took you the longest to learn. Sorry, say that again. What's a lesson that could be business or personal that took you the longest to learn? Um, so I think having a long-term view right? You know, understanding that everything in life, anything you do in life is not a sprint, right? You've got to conserve your energy. You got, you're going to have to build enough stamina and resilience, and you have to be it for the long term, right? So that's my, that's my motto in life now. I love it. Never rush it. Never. <laughs> Glad you found that out early. It took me a while to figure that out, man. Hugo, this has been absolutely amazing. Guys, if you guys want to check it out,
go check out Malio Games or Malio.com. M-A-L-I-Y-O. It is linked up in the pod, in your favorite podcast podcast app. So just click on Malio Games in your favorite podcast app and check out all their games. Check out Woo King and really figure out what King is what it's called. But I'll say Woo or Wat if you want to spell the pronunciation. So W-H-O-T, but what game? What games in the app store? Hugo, if the audience wants to follow up with you personally, do you want to send them anywhere else? Yeah, they can, they can follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Awesome. Uh, all the links are in the description as well. Is that the Malio Games for all that stuff? Yeah. Okay. Malio Games, yeah. All right, I'll link to all that. I don't, have a personal, I don't have a personal social. I'm not active on social media personally, aside from LinkedIn. I like it, man. Hugo, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thanks, Steve. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Want to increase your downloads and revenue? Check out our new ASO Master Service where we help you with ASO, optimizing your revenue, and we'll even manage your Apple search ads and Google ads. Learn more at asomasters.com. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.